here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. That's over 50 years at this point. I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man and fearless friend, Davis Carroll, joined by nobody, as we are alone today. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from around the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna, on the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com, or tuning in after the fact on Transistor.FM or wherever you get your podcasts. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run radio show, Drive Time Morning Show. And now broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin WEGL Studios, in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a, dare I say, cool and comfortable 72 outside this fine Thursday morning, it's Compact Discourse. We wish you a sincere good morning as we get on with the show. Davis, how are we doing this fine Thursday morning? Like you said, it feels great. It felt great outside. Uh, I think it's going to feel great for the rest of the day. I'm doing pretty good, except my shoe. The sole of my shoe is falling off and I cannot find anything to fix it with. All right, cobblers, ye be warned, because Davis is on me. a mission to get his shoe repaired this this Thursday morning. At this point, I would like to remind our audience that at any point in the next two hours, you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something, anything, everything wrong, go ahead and correct us. You can do that by calling in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL. You can also shoot us a tweet at CDISCAU, and I'll probably be able to get to that one a little quicker. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U if you want to join the conversation. But without further ado, it is Thursday morning. It is the last show of the week, so let's make it a good one. And we are discussing all things Auburn, all things around the world today as the world continues to be a fascinating and crazy place every single day. It seems to outdo itself. And today's no exception. So let's finish off the week strong and talk about the week's goings-on. I know this week we've talked a lot about student life, and that's what we'd like to continue to do here on Compact Discourse. So if you have anything you'd like to add to that conversation, if you've had a good experience, a bad experience with uh, Tiger Dining, The Edge, Tiger Transit, Tiger Card, getting your student away game tickets, which we'll get to later in the show today, any of that, go ahead and shoot us a tweet and we can bring up your opinion on the show, a open forum of discussion, if you will, and uh, we'll make it happen. But without further ado, I think Davis was on a mission yesterday to get a cheeseburger and was sadly dashed by a great conspiracy he has uncovered in the Auburn Chamber of Commerce. All right, so here, here's how it went last night. I was going to go to the she- – JP mentioned the Sheila C. Burger Barn – Last night. Yes. Or yesterday. So yesterday yesterday on the show, we were discussing Spider-Man. 
He he stated one of the best burgers in town was how did Sheila he get there? Barn. How do you get to the burger? JP barn? knows how to spin a yarn better than most professional knitters. So, okay, so I was gonna go there, but the pictures on Google didn't really do it justice. I didn't end up going there, by the way. I'll probably end up going there one day. Just the pictures on Google didn't really make it look amazing. I'll just say that. I'm sure they're actually one of those places that are actually amazing that you don't really know about. There's one of those places in Mo- or Grand Bay called Emma's Kitchen. The burgers, I swear, like the size of your head. They were awesome. That's, a side, that's beside the point. So I went with my friend, Kendall, and we also got her, her other friend, Abigail, tagged along. Jack, you know them. I don't know if I was supposed to say their names on air, but, you know. They're not in trouble. I know. We're getting a cheeseburger. I'm doxing them. Yeah. So we were going to go to Cheeburger, Cheeburger, which I'd never been to. My mom doesn't really like it. You said you don't really like it. I've heard it's really greasy, but I want to at least try it one time before I graduate, I guess, if that really matters. So we are going to go there, and we were driving by, and there's a lot of traffic around like 5, 5, 6 p.m. Way too much traffic. I guess it was rush hour, but it was a lot of traffic. So we were driving by. Cheeburger Cheeburger was closed. Apparently it's closed Wednesday through Friday, just inexplicably. Wow. The hours, or no, Monday through Wednesday, excuse me, it's closed. Okay. And then Thursday... Through Saturday, it's 11 and 9 p.m. And Sunday is 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So, I mean, interesting hours. I'm not really sure why they're closed three days a week. Maybe it's uh, scheduling issues, uh, like for workers. Uh, and then we're Five Guys is just on the other side of the street. So we were driving by. I was like, okay, we'll just go to Five Guys then. Five Guys is awesome. A little expensive, though. Um, but Sunday through Thursday, it is open 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., and the only days it's open later is Friday and Saturday to 10 p.m. So another strange hours there. I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. I really wanted a burger. So we ended up trying to go into Insomnia Grill, not cookies. Uh, but there was so much traffic, I swear it took me 30 minutes to go around the world to get into the right lane so I didn't have to turn left into Insomnia. But we got there, had a good burger. Insomnia is great. Also went to the goalpost. That's, that's an episode for another day. Yeah, the the goalpost chronicles, as I'm sure we have enough stories to fill a few episodes of uh, times we've been at the goalpost. Um, yeah, the quest for the for the best cheeseburger. It, it's one I've been on many a time. I, I will say my only experience with cheeseburger cheeseburger was a delivery cheeseburger, which I don't know how that affected the uh, the process. This was back um, last last March or April when delivery was just about the only option if you didn't want to cook at home. So uh, I was I was trying to track down the best delivery cheeseburger I could get my hands on, and cheeseburger did not really impress me. A place that really surprised me with a great delivery cheeseburger, do you think, can you can you guess? Is it a fast food place or is it more like a sit-down? It's more like a sit-down, but it's, it's also a chain. Okay. We don't have a Baumhauer's up here. No. Burgerfy? BurgerFi, I usually go get because I live pretty close to it, but believe it or not, great delivery cheeseburger from Applebee's. Really? Yeah. Believe it or do not. Do we have an Applebee's here? It's by the mall. Sure thing. Oh. Yeah. So uh, if you are hankering for a cheeseburger and don't want to get off your couch and maybe craving some pretzel sticks as well, Applebee's is the place to order from. Denny's also has a surprising burger, not a delivery one, but like who knew that I've only been to Denny's like once in my life, and I had a good burger. So I guess it's just cemented that in my mind is that Denny's is good. Denny's kind of gets boxed out by by Waho down here, though. I'm not just Waffle House is just better. I never actually had Waffle House's burger. 
I know they make them. I I've seen I've seen one get ordered, and it was just as perplexing as you may imagine. They have so much. The back the back of the Waffle House menu is like a whole different world that I've never explored. They have steak, burgers. What else? They have some crazy stuff that I never think to order at Waffle House. I, I bet there's pork chops on there. If you I look think hard there enough. is pork chops. So should we try compact discourse episode in Waffle House where we order all the secret menu items? <laughs> the, the secret in that you have to turn it over and <laughs> it's so stuck to, by syrup to the table you can't get to I it. Half the time, I don't even get a menu anymore. I just know what I want. Well, yeah, you don't need it. It's like that song. You can sing it. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will spare our listeners the pain and suffering of hearing me try to sing with the current frog in my throat on these microphones and we will move up quickly along to a little bit of a COVID-19 update for the university. As you know, COVID-19 continues to sit with us, hopefully for just a little while longer. If uh, the university is still requiring face coverings over the mouth and nose inside all campus buildings, so be sure to continue. And just for everybody's sake, even if it's just so your professor doesn't have to yell at you, uh, continue to do that just to make things easier on everybody, even if it means a little sacrifice for yourself. But Auburn reminds everybody of the current protocol involving the COVID-19 positive tests, or if you have been exposed, Auburn students are being reminded of the latest COVID-19 protocol specifically involving testing positive or being exposed to the virus. Any student, faculty, or staff member who tests positive for COVID-19 is required to submit an online self-report form. Students who have been exposed to someone with COVID-19 should also submit a self-report form. This step is very important in helping the university monitor any trends. Once a person submits a self-report form, they receive an automated email from Auburn's COVID-19 Resource Center providing detailed instructions and additional emails follow over the next 10 days. That's also how you get your class excuses if you're going to need one of those in order to protect everybody's safety by staying out of class. Um, The links to all these are on your This Week at AU email. You can also find them on the Auburn COVID-19 Resource Center on AU Access. So, be sure to check that out and continue to stay safe. And if you email your teacher about missing class, I'm not going to say usually, but like they'll probably send the, the resource center thing to you. That's what my teacher did when I emailed her. Mm-hmm. So good deal there. Let's continue to stay safe. Um, mobile Tiger Card is required for football game entry. So if you haven't already, you should go ahead and add your mobile Tiger card to your iPhone or I think Google Wallet, I think is what it's called on an Android device. Uh, so to enter a home football game, you are going to re- be required to not just have um, the, your, the Git app that scans your card, you're going to be required to have it in your Apple wa- Wallet proper, which is another layer of security on top of that. So um, even if, I don't know, what I might do is just add it that morning and uh, take it out at the end of the day because I really don't like messing with Apple Wallet. But it's it's gonna pro- I'll probably do that from the safety of my home rather than try to to fumble in in the in the in the line of the football game. Uh, also, now t- starting at 9 a.m. today, you'll be able to go pick up your away football game tickets at the arena. 
uh, planning on going and doing that today. If, if you have purchased away game tickets through the university, you will be able to go pick those up starting at 9 a.m. today by the Charles Barkley statue scholarship entrance to the arena. So be sure to do that. If you are planning on going to any of the away games, same deal. You are going to have to have your Tiger card in your Apple wallet or Google wallet, of course. Um, and I think the hype has died down around Tiger cards in terms of the line being out the door at Foy. Uh, did you go yesterday and get it? I wasn't planning on it. I was going to Tumors, like that area, to meet my cousin, and I had to really use the restroom. So I was like, okay, I'll just go in Foy real quick. And I was walking in, and there was literally like no line. I was like, oh, I guess they're closed already. That's kind of crazy for 2 o'clock. And, but it was open. I went down there. I got a new Tiger card, took a new picture, took two minutes, and I walked out. It was really easy. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when there's no line how easy it is. And Davis told me that, and I did the same. So I went over to Foy and got my new Tiger card as well. I did not take a new picture. Uh, not that my old picture is great or anything, but I didn't. Re- I wasn't really in the mental state to stand in front of the, the wall and have the camera take my picture again. Uh, also, I was wearing a hat. so I kind of regret taking a new picture. The, the it hair, looks worse than my original. The hair situation was a bit of a wild card <laughs> at that point. So uh, if you haven't gotten your Tiger card yet, uh, today would be a great day to do that. Just head on over to Foy. It's uh, in a little in a little hallway closet right by the uh, the northernmost entrance to the building. So be sure to go get your Tiger card if you haven't already. I know it's going to make things a lot easier. Um, that's how you get into a lot of doors now is with a kind of like a swipeless NFC, I need to just touch it kind of. NFC touch application thing. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to use this new Tiger card. It also has a Wells Fargo thing built into it, I think. The future's now. Try to also, keep, try to keep up. Try to go during class time. That's kind of the time that we went. I assume you went kind of during a class time. Pretty, pretty good policy for doing anything on campus yeah. these days. But we will be right back with some more compact discourse after these messages. We will be talking a little bit about SEC football as the season fast approaches. Less than, ooh, I want to say 12 days until the season really? starts. I mean, that's soon. Less than two weeks. So True. get excited. We're going to talk some SEC power rankings, predictions, who's going to finish top in the East and the West, all that after the break. Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. It's 818 in the morning on a beautiful Thursday AM. 82621 is your date. Let's get right back into things. I'm joined by Davis Carroll in the Bradley Basin studio right here at the WEGL suite here in the Student Center. We are ready to get into some SEC football action. Grayson Moyer watching patiently from his window in the station manager's office. And we are going to get right into things by taking a look at this article from Barrett Sally on CBS Sports. The expert picks of 2021, bold predictions, overrated, underrated, and finishing order of the Southeastern Conference. Probably the most exciting conference in football Coming up this season, of course, defending champs Alabama and SEC Championship challenger Florida are both reloading 
on offense 100% of the way. So they are both looking to get back after it and maybe meeting up in Atlanta once again come December. So going to be a pretty crazy season, and we are looking forward to it. Davis, initial thoughts before we jump into this article. I know this is pretty much the first time we've talked about football itself on this show. I know it's a Thursday, so get used to talking about football on Thursdays because our shows will pretty much be dedicated to it when the season gets rolling. You know, obviously we're Auburn fans here, so I'm rooting for Auburn. I don't really have big any thoughts on who I think is going to be number one. Obviously, Alabama is probably still going to be the heavy favorites, but I feel like the trend of the past few years, Alabama starting to lose their, their grip on the SEC. Starting to lose their edge? I think so, just a little bit. They're still the, I still feel like they're the favorites, but like in a few years, they might not be the top dogs anymore. Clemson's already been biting at their uh, feet the whole time anyways. That's not the right term or right phrase. Nipping at their heels. There it is. Hey, okay. Team Teamwork. All right, before we get into this article, I do want to extend an olive branch to our listeners. Bit of a trivia question, if you will. Um, feel free to tweet at me. Uh, tweet at me personally or tweet at the Compact Discourse if you want to get... A shout-out on the show for getting this correct. And, all right, come on, guys. Don't look it up. Let's have some fun. Trivia question. When was the last time Alabama lost to a team not named the Tigers? Just give me a year. I don't have to know the game. Just give me a four-digit year. And if you get it correct, you will be the winner of a shiny new shout-out on Compact Discourse. Um, If I don't get an answer by the end of the show, I might just tell you. But I was about to guess. Uh, you can guess. I don't want to guess because give other people a chance. All right. We'll give Davis a guess in the second hour, and we'll see if he gets it right if no one else has it by then. So this CBS article is broken down into a few different segments, the first being overrated and underrated teams. So overrated team, Texas A&M, which I think has been a headline since they joined the SEC. A&M has a nasty habit of having great preseason hype, uh, doing very well for themselves early in the season, and then completely falling off the rails when it comes to November and finishing with a cool 7-5 and five record pretty much without fail. Um, see you at the Belk Bowl type of season. So they, they, they broke that trend a little bit last season, but it's hard to gauge what exactly that meant with a 10-game conference schedule. And then, obviously, A&M's got to be on a mission this year after being, frankly, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but probably taking the, really having Notre Dame take their spot in the playoff, and undeservedly so, I might say. So, A&M's going to have a chip on their shoulder, but uh, it doesn't seem like the experts are fooled exactly by the the Aggie team, who looked great in that Orange Bowl against North Carolina to wrap up the season last year. But A&M has deemed to be overrated. Thoughts on that, Davis? Who's their quarterback right now? Mm. I have no clue. I know it was Kellamon last year. I think Kellamon was underrated in himself, but I still think the team was kind of, like you said, I think they probably should have made the playoffs over Notre Dame. But still, that team, they're kind of like... I can't say that because Texas is going to be... They have redshirt freshman Haynes King starting at quarterback. He was only named quarterback 24 hours ago. So, bit of a battle in camp, apparently, and Jimbo has picked 
Mr. King to be the leader of the Aggies this fall? I'll still say I'll agree Texas A&M is overrated, but I I can't I guess I can't say I'm overrated, but I think they'll still do all right. Um, if you'll hang on for one second, I want to pull up the ESPN uh, preseason poll because I want to say A&M was somewhere in the top 15. Um, but they are they have big shoes to fill after what they did last season. I mean, they were obviously a playoff caliber team last season and had a very good shot. If they hadn't lost to, to Alabama by 28 the regular season, if it had been any closer, I think they probably should have got or would have gotten in over Notre Dame and probably could have put up a better fight in that game against Alabama. So, yeah, actually, A&M was number six in the preseason poll for ESPN. Do you think they should be number six even after they lost? I think Kellen Mom was the main reason they got as far as they did, personally. I mean, obviously, other people did, too, but I don't think with their new redshirt freshman quarterback, they're going to be near as good as last year. I still think maybe they're kind of riding off the high of last year, playing pretty good. I think so. I mean... If you look, if you take a look at the the ESPN top twenty five, a lot of it seems to be based off of last year. I mean, these teams are going to be good in the future, obviously, but we've seen a lot of shakeups to the. I mean, from from preseason to week one is when the biggest shakeups happen in the poll as the as the as the hype trains kind of go off the rails. Um, Mississippi State has also been deemed overrated. I think due to the fact that. Mike Leach was seen as kind of just like the savior from on high to come and save this Mississippi State team, and that kind of fizzled out. I mean, they looked like world beaters in the first game against LSU when they they tossed for six touchdowns and however many yard, passing yards, but that quickly fizzled out as we figured out both that was an anomaly and then LSU wasn't the defending national championships we thought they were going into that season, so... Mississippi State, I think this is a big year for Mike Leach. He's going to have to put together something special in order to keep his seat from getting too hot and not to bury the lead, but it seems as though Mississippi State, for four of these seven beat reporters, has been picked to finish dead last in the West. So Mississippi State, kind of gonna, Mike Leach is going to kind of have the screws put to him this year, and he's going to have to make something happen in order to keep the Bulldogs from out of the basement where they've been f- since the departure of Dak Prescott. I, last year, let the record show, I was, there's an article to prove it. I'm not making this up. I wrote an article about Mississippi State about how they are underrated and how Auburn fans. I remember last year people were like, "Oh, Mississippi State's an easy win game. We'll go, we'll go through and destroy them." And I was like, "Hey, watch out! They're not amazing, but they can mess you up if you're not careful." I'm not sure if I can have that same enthusiasm this year, but I'll leave the door open to maybe write another article like that for Mississippi State. I believe they're returning eight offensive starters, is what I saw on SEC That's Network, good. and. But, I mean, they have to be good in order to be that's fair. great. Uh, that's, that's in order for that to be a headline. So, we are going to now move on to underrated teams. Uh, there, there, there's, there's some of these that fit into both categories. It's, it's an opinion piece, obviously. But um, some ones that are interesting to me is Missouri. Okay. 
Missouri, I really liked Coach Drinkwitz. And I think the problem with Missouri is that there's so many personalities in the SEC East that Missouri really gets buried by, obviously, they're not as big of a media market. They're not a legacy SEC member. I think it's it's a uh, not that the media is actively trying to overshadow Missouri. I just think it's a victim of circumstance. I mean, they're the weird team in the East. They're the Western team in the East. Uh, they're they're an old Big Twelve member, and they're just not as exciting as the Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessees of the conference. So, I think Coach Drinkwitz is going to. Put together, I mean, he has found a great quarterback, and there's a lot of experience coming back on the offensive line. So they have a new defensive coordinator in Steve Wilkes. But I think they might just get somebody because they have Florida at home late in the season on November 20th. So I don't know. I'm not saying the the Tigers are, are booking a trip to Atlanta or anything, but I think they might just snipe somebody off of the top of the east that'd be nice you know like you were saying i don't yeah there's not a conspiracy against it but the last time i really heard about mizzou was when joey gatewood went there and he's since gone to ucf and when they self-reported on all their uh what uh, infractions ncaa infractions still the craziest thing a school's done recently but yeah you don't hear about them a lot mizzou's kind of one of those underdogs you always root for sometimes honestly but yeah i think it'd be cool to get them uh, a quick takedown near the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's a good ranking for underrated. And then one last underrated team before we hit a break. Those Ole Miss Rebels and the Lane Train. Um, surely due to the fact that they are such an explosive team on offense, they only need one or two things to go right on defense in order to be an extremely scary team. They did scare Auburn last year. Mightily. If I remember correctly. Yes. I do. <laughs> I Yeah, I think if they can just shore up their defense and keep that consistency on offense, which they did for the most part, they'd be a hard team to – they'd be a team to look out for. They'd be a team that you'd have to circle on your calendar. Mm, I just think that a lot of people overlook this Ole Miss team. I'm not saying – I think they're, they're, they're on pace for a fourth-place finish, obviously, but I, I do think that they're going to be overlooked a lot and it's going to cause problems or at least a little bit of first-half anxiety for a lot of teams. This Ole Miss team is, is going to put a lot of offenses in a very uncomfortable situation. You're going to be pushed to try to keep up and no offense in the country is, is going to be as fast as, as Lane Kiffin's offense at Ole Miss. And it's going to make a lot of teams uncomfortable. It's probably going to make them make a lot of mistakes and the defense doesn't have to be that good to capitalize if the offense continues to making mistakes, and that's what you want to do. Almost is going to be a tempo control team, and it's going to be super exciting to watch. I'm excited to watch it pretty much every week except when they play Auburn. So with that, we're going to head to a quick break. On the other side of the break, we might talk a little more SEC football, and we might even get Grayson Moyer in here to discuss his week and what has been going on here at WEGL 91.1 FM. I am Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. We will be right back after these messages.
welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I want to thank everybody so much for listening in today on this beautiful Thursday morning. It is 74 degrees and sunny outside. It's a pretty cool day for a late August morning, and we are enjoying it here on our walk to class, work, wherever you may be going today. We thank you for choosing to listen to Compact Discourse this fine Thursday morning. Quick weather report for today. I know if you listened to me yesterday, I definitely did say bring a raincoat. I got stuck at Tumor's Corner when it started pouring down. Well, did you, ha- did you have a raincoat in your backpack? No, I can't fit a raincoat in my backpack. I'm not good at folding them up like you do. I assume you do at least. Is it going to rain today? We're looking into it. We want to give a quick shout out to Ashley Winfrey, who did tweet at us regarding the trivia question I proffered in the previous segment. However, while it was a great guess, she guessed that 2018 was the last time that a non-Tiger team took down the Alabama Crimson Tide in football. That is unfortunately not the correct answer. You're going to have to go a little bit further back in time. Alabama lost one game in the 2018 season, and it was to the Tigers of Clemson out in Santa Clara, California in the national championship game. So we are currently tracking the weather. It is 74 degrees, partly cloudy, high of a 90 today, so it might warm up a little bit, but a low of 71, so it could stay right down here in the fair category. It's going to be partly cloudy this morning at 80 degrees. It'll probably get to at about 11 a.m., this afternoon, it's probably going to get up to around 90, 78 degrees will be your evening temp and an overnight temp of 73. Pretty cool, clear skies tonight with an 8% chance of rain. About a 15% chance of rain this afternoon, which was the same yesterday. So if you're feeling unlucky or just feeling pragmatic, I would bring that umbrella or raincoat if you are stepping out onto campus today. But let's continue our discussion about I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Davis. I've got a weather question for you. Okay. Two weather questions, actually. Well, I'm not a meteorologist. The first thing is, did you know, like, the percentage is actually, it's the chance plus the area combined. That's what it means. Area of what? Area that rain's going to be rained on. I mean, it's the percentage that any given square inch of ground gets hit by rain, right? I saw a meteorologist say it was that percent chance of it happening plus the area but my my real question was do you prefer a short burst of rain or rain all day on if it's the summer i think i enjoy a short burst of rain because it usually brings with it a lot of cloud cover which cools off and then the rain itself bring brings in a certain coolness as well i mean there's a little bit of mugginess after the fact but I think that that's better than being stuck inside all day. You could be a meteorologist. That was a good answer. <laughs> very diplomatic to the weather. <laughs> we have some clouds coming in here. They hurt, look very nice. Don't want to a little hurt bit Mother muggy. Nature's feelings. <laughs> all right. We do want to remind you that you can follow the station. That's WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn Student Run Radio Station, for over 50 years now. Happy 50th, WEGL. You can follow us at W-E-G-L underscore A-U on both Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle, so go ahead and follow us on both. Our marketing team is working hard to put some great content together. I believe starting next week, we're going to have daily content on the Instagram, so check that out. Be sure to 
because it's going to be awesome. I think we're starting with a DJ spotlight on Monday, so be sure to check that out. It's going to be great. You okay over there? Uh, my, my throat got a little dry from talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are very excited about the WEGL social media. And, of course, if you want to tweet at us at the show personally, get your opinion on the air, you can do so at CDiscAU. We already had our first response to the trivia question, but we are looking for a few more until we get the right answer. We are looking for the la- the season, the last time that the Alabama Crimson Tide lost to a team whose mascot or nickname was not the Tigers. So, uh, and don't look it up. Let's have some fun with it. Maybe tweet what your favorite weather is at us. Tweet your favorite weather. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, if you're a fan of the show, which we hope you are, um, get excited about this compact discourse in living color video is hopefully coming. Hopefully being, if I can figure it out, uh, is going to be starting next week. So you'll be able to watch the show live, um, see our beautiful faces and whatever peculiar outfits we happen to be wearing. Or if someone gets wet walking to class, we can see that too. I have to start shaving again. (laughs) That will be starting next week on Monday morning at 8 a.m. We hope to get the show live on WEGL's Twitter and YouTube page. It'll also be recorded and put on Eagle Eye, and uh, you'll be able to watch the VOD on YouTube as well. So get excited about that if you are a fan of Compact Discourse. But uh, without further ado, let's jump right back into some SEC football as I scroll down. (laughs) All right. So each of these uh, CBS reporters have issued a bold prediction, bold prediction, And I want to get your reaction to mm, a few of them. All right. Dennis Dodd of CBS predicts that Kiffin will develop a serviceable defense and Matt Corral Corral, (laughs) will throw for 4,000 yards and Ole Miss will win eight games. Is that that fact or trash? Neither to keep it. Uh, The eight games, I'm a little... uh, Nervous to say that one's going to be true. But the 4,000 yards one, with how high power that offense can be, I'll say a maybe. Okay, this is kind of like back in in, uh, in middle school when they would have the true or false statements and they would say if any part of the statement is false, it's completely, it's false. completely false. So I think Kiffin will develop a surfaceable defense. I think Coral could very possibly pass for 4,000 yards. But Ole Miss will probably not win eight games. There so you I, go. Two out of three. It's false completely. If one part's false, the whole thing's false. So sorry, Dennis. Did you ever have to do the ones where you have to circle the ones that are actually true? When I was in grade school, they made us do that sometimes. Interesting. You had to like annotate your test questions. Like it was only it was like one section for true and false. You say it's false because it, and then you circle the ones that are true though, or maybe it was the other way around. You circle the ones that are false, but still, it was kind of whack. A little tedious. It was. I mean, that's why you're in school. I guess. We could get into an argument about that, I guess. All right. Next bold prediction? From Is it Chip, bold? From Chip Patterson. It's pretty bold. All right. JT Daniels, Georgia transfer quarterback, will win Whoa. the Heisman Trophy. I thought you were going to read the Alabama one. That one's not even bold. We're not even going to talk yeah, about that uh, one. Come on, Tom. <laughs> uh, but he'll have a chance to be in the mix as long as the Bulldogs are contenders for the national championship. What'd you say? A big if. 
Why does he have such a big qualifier after that? He'll, he he won't be the most prolific quarterback, but his war season winds down. What? Just say, just stick with your prediction. Don't try to be like, don't try to walk it back. Say it with your chest, Chip. All right. Um, this is an interesting one from Ben Kershaw. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young will lead the SEC in yards passing and touchdowns. It's a big, it's a big and. Because yards passing, I'm a bit suspect on. Touchdowns, very possible, considering the weapons he's going to have in both the backfield and his wideouts. I don't know much about Bryce Young. I don't either, but I've, I've been reading this other article that he craves the fre- pressure of leading Alabama. What? <laughs> That's a crazy article name. Bryce Young craves pressure? Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I feel, I mean, like, I don't he could be electric for all I know. Alabama's good at recruiting, after all. But, like, Alabama's track record for, like, amazing arm talent quarterbacks isn't amazing, I'll say. So maybe they, I think they could defer to more running this year. I like mean, they have recently. I, I've long held for since since the 2019 Iron Bowl that Mac Jones was like an okay. That's what I'm saying. Quarterback, like I mean, if you if you've got serviceable, <laughs> serviceable, he gets the job done. My my joke has always been if you've listened to the extra point, you've heard this before. But if you if 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 you put the tackle sled out there, they could probably probably throw th- at least three touchdowns to, to Devontae Smith. Yeah. And Heisman uh, Trophy winner, what was his name? Oh, Running back. Najee Harris? Najee Harris. There you go. So, yeah. Um, and Henry Ruggs. And, I mean, the, the parade continues of yeah. skill positions at Alabama. Quarterback isn't that important at Alabama anymore, <laughs> as much as it pains me to say that. AJ McCarron was elect, not electric. He was. I thought you were gonna say elected. No, <laughs> uh, don't forget that AJ McCarron was really good with Alabama. But in reality, AJ McCarron's not that good. Andy's kind of a jerk. He lives in Mobile. I've heard all the stories. <laughs> Just if y'all weren't wondering, if you want the uh, the Mobile dirt on the Bama quarterbacks, he's a jerk. That's all you need to know. All right, and our last prediction before we hit a break and might wrap up SEC football chat until we have another guest on to get a, a, a new and fresh take, if you will. We have Jerry Palm, who says that the SEC will fall short of putting two teams in the college football playoff, will, but will advance four total in the New Year's six games. This is a very complicated prediction. So what's he is, is he saying? He's the saying SEC will only have one. They'll have one playoff team. Okay, but so they will have Bama. four. So three other teams will make a New Year's Six game. Interesting. Because I believe the play, the semis are counted in the New Year's Six because they don't also play a Rose Bowl if the Rose Bowl is a semifinal. You know. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I think so. They're saying that Bama goes to the playoffs. Florida, well, let's not say Florida. Yeah, Florida. Florida misses the playoffs. Florida goes to the Orange Bowl. Georgia and A&M are going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, but just Bama in the playoff is effectively what Jerry Palm is saying, which I don't think is that big of a hot take. Didn't that happen so. last season? Did it? Who? I can't even remember last season. Well, all right. I just remember we almost lost to Ole Miss. I know for a fact that the Orange Bowl had A&M, so that's mm-hmm. one. I know for a fact the Peach Bowl had Georgia, so that's another one. Florida went to maybe the Cotton Bowl. So that's already three, and then Vail was in the playoffs. So there you go. That's four. 
figure out what bowl Florida played in, and we can uh, give a give a factor trash to to Jerry Palm here, because I don't think that's big of a hot take after uh, Dennis Dodd. Had, I mean, they really buried the lead here with Ole Miss is going to win eight games, and then Jerry Palm shows up and says the SEC will have a team in the playoff. Was it they played in the Cotton Bowl against Cotton Oklahoma? Bowl, New Year's Six game, yes. So lost yes. fifty five to twenty. Mm, Does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. Wow, that happened. I don't remember that game. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, have, the, that, they had a lot of players out for COVID. Oh, that I was can't the, remember that. That was the big story. Is that when Dan Mullen was like, everybody come in? That was, and then everybody like, That was different. Oh, was it? I mean, it was the same season. It, yeah. Enough about Dan it's, Mullen. It's all combined in my head. All right, we're going to head to a quick break. But before we go, we want to give a sh- quick shout-out to Henry, who shot us a tweet on C-Disc AU about his favorite weather. Davis, I know you're waiting with bated breath. His favorite weather is misty or rainy. That's a good answer. Yeah, pretty I like good. When it rains too. Nice cup of you tea. You have to have some good sun in there though, so you don't get really sad. Okay. Little, Everyone's uh, some se- seasonal per- depression. Yeah, I love rain, but you can't have too much rain. A good rainy day when you wake up when it, to it raining, it's one of the best feelings. I can agree with that. It's a it's a great auditory sensation. It all it is. All right. Speaking of auditory sensations, we will be right back after a quick break. But if you want to tweet at us what your favorite weather is, or if you want to answer our trivia question, which is when is the last time Alabama lost to a team not nicknamed the Tigers in football? Go ahead and tweet at us, and don't look it up. Don't look up your favorite weather either. Use your imagination. Come on. We'll be right back after a quick break, and when we come back, I think we might just be joined by Grayson Moyer, WEGL Station Manager. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. It is currently 8.50 in the morning on Thursday, August 26, 2021. It's 74 degrees, partly cloudy outside in Auburn, Alabama. It is a crisp, cool morning, so get out there and enjoy the weather if you haven't already. Speaking of weather, we're talking about our favorite types of weather currently. Thank you to Henry Roden for reaching out on Twitter and sharing his favorite type of weather, which is misty or rainy, which I can get behind. Nice cup of tea, good book, and maybe if you're even trying to fall asleep. You know what's really nice is like mist or fog at night when it really catches the streetlights. Sometimes I just go, uh, I just, I just stand like a dad looking at his lawn, just <laughs> che- checking it out, sides. checking it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if we're going to define favorite types, I, I think I have two because yes, I agree with you. Cool misty evening is amazing, but let's not forget severe thunderstorm. Yes. It's exciting. It, it's two different emotions, but great take, you know, you, you, you got to mix it up. Okay. But the question is, do you like short burst of rain or like all day rain? If, I, I would say, say all day. If, if it's going to rain, I want it to do it. I want I'm it to saying. mean something. Being from Mobile, it rains for five <laughs> minutes, and then stops raining. It'll rain five minutes again in four hours. Yeah, that's the worst. The, the worst part of summer in Alabama is directly after a thunderstorm when it's just hot and muggy. Like, true. if it rains all day, you don't have that problem. And the road, all the oil from the road comes up yeah. after the water hits yeah. it. It's the worst. I'd rather it rain all day, and it's awesome. Has Jack been saying something contrary to this? Is, does he I, have a wrong take? I, I, I enjoy short bursts of rain because it, it cools off the day a little bit. No, it doesn't. It, 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 it makes it, it more humid. It gets more humid. It gets more, 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 it brings more clouds water in the air. 
I mean, it goes from like 90 to 70. And then it goes back up to 90. Now, I, I will agree. Shortly before short rain is great, mm-hmm. right? When the clouds roll in and it drops 15 degrees. Yeah, I mean, because when but we were doing the sustain, uh, the uh, uh, give back on the green space, it was it was perfect outside. It was like 80 degrees, nice cloud cover, and then the rain came a little bit later. But I mean, for for about four hours there, it was it was a perfect summer day. Grayson said something about shortly before. So just made me think of something. Do y'all have any like? The dad tricks you're like, my knee's hurting. It's about to start raining. Do you have any of those? I can tell when it's about to rain based on, like, the pressure outside. I can usually feel it. I mean, that's a pretty easy one. I'm sure y'all can, too. You ever been on a ridgeline right before a lightning storm? No. I, I mean that. That's a serious question. I have not. Jack, have you? I don't I don't think I've ever been on a ridgeline. If you've ever been in a, in a high place right before a lightning storm, you can watch the, like, your, your hair yeah, will yeah, literally yeah, start standing up, and that means you need to leave because you're about to get struck by lightning. I wouldn't know. But that's not fair. Your hair well, always you stands. Hair, it counts. Your hair always stands up, Davis. You know, it's true, it, it works thing. the same way, but like if you just look around and you're outside and your friend's hair is starting to stand up, you need to go right I have, now. I have had the unique phenomenon of a summer shower about to roll in and being able to see my breath due to the extreme Ooh, pressure differential. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Little, that's pretty little, cool. A little Pivnert action for you on this. You just make the, up that word. You, you missed Speaking the, of there's words. an R. That's nert. PV, really? PV equals NRT. My, my chemistry teacher was on one in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, it's the gas balancing equation, Davis. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember chemistry from high school. Yeah. Davis, this is like puppet history. Everybody actually, knows the ideal gas law. I just want to say, in in sophomore year of high school, I was actually really good at chemistry, <laughs> and I never took it again. I never learned pivnert. Never did. I probably did. Maybe I just you weren't remember. that good at history if you never learned I was. Pivnert. I mean, our teach it was a, whatever. <laughs> Go on. Do your thing. All right, so we are bringing you a little news you can use on this Thursday morning as the we the yearly tradition of not rolling the trees is going to continue as Auburn is uh, officially asking fans not to roll specific Auburn oaks as they continue to progress in their regrowth efforts. So statement from the university, Auburn officials are asking fans to hold off for one more year uh, not one more year, another year, on rolling the Auburn Oaks and their descendants along Sanford Park. While the trees recently received a positive report showing strong establishment, including root and shoot growth, which is a great phrase, holding back another year further increases the likelihood of full establishment. So thank you to Auburn University arborist Alex Hedgepath. Oh my goodness. He was. He, he Did had you to just read name. that just now? To, is that to, the first time to, you to, said it out loud? To quote Kramer. <laughs> A librarian named Bookman. That's like an ice cream man named Cone. <laughs> Thank you, Alex Hedgepath, for choosing the profession of arborist and uh, providing us for this information. So if you're not clear on what exactly that means, the two trees on uh, Tumor Square proper with the little uh, wrought iron gates around them, as well as the ones on the curvy path that go uh, over to Langdon. Basically, the small trees, for lack of a better term. Roll the ones that go down... Um, College Street and the one in front of Biggins Hall to your heart's content uh, when Auburn secures a football victory this fall. But the small trees hold off for just another year while we continue to monitor the growth of the roots as they try to reestablish themselves in Tumor's Corner. And, and of course, for anyone who's been here since 2016, this is nothing new. Like this isn't actually a change to the policy. It's just we're just continuing what we've been doing for another year. 
I'm sure if they didn't say, people would be like, it's time to roll the little trees. I'm going to climb on them this well, time. Well, they would. I, That's what I'm saying, yeah. The, the I, weird thing is that email came into the Weagle email and not any of our personal ones. I feel like that shouldn't be just left up to us to tell the students. <laughs> we have the power for this one. I mean, we're a Hedgepath media Hedgepath gave but, us the power. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Hedgepath. <laughs> we're actually the only ones that received that email. That statement was just it's for Weagle. It's only for Weagle people that can, are not allowed to climb on the It wasn't on, on a tree. mass media email list. Oh, gosh. All right. So um, just a quick history. The Auburn Oaks were planted between 1937 and 1939 and were removed from the corner in April 2013. A duo of new trees were planted in 2015, but after a small fire uh, following being rolled, both trees were damaged and removed in 2016. So we are trying to prevent that from happening. Please refrain from setting the trees on fire and please refrain from rolling the trees. Uh, please just roll the, the big ones that can take it for now until we get things in order or come roll the one outside my apartment and let the toilet paper stick up there for eight months like yeah. we did last year. Shh, we weren't supposed to tell anyone about that. They don't I, know where his apartment is. I, yeah, I guess if, that's true. If I had a nickel. We all use fake names here on the radio. Yeah, how's it going, Mark? <laughs> Which, which one of us is Mark? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all Mark. That's the bit. That's the show. All right. Well, we're going to... There's something there. It's a good name for that. <laughs> we are going to go to a quick break, a little bit of an extended break, as we hit the top of the 9 o'clock hour. But when we come back, we are going to keep discussing all things weather, all things trivia, and all things Auburn as we continue to talk here on WEGL 91.1 FM. You are listening to Compact Discourse. And welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. It is 9.02 a.m. on a beautiful Thursday morning here in Auburn, Alabama. It is August 26, 2021. Wishing you a good morning for everybody here at Compact Discourse, including station manager Grayson Moyer joining me on the show, as well as civilian Davis Carroll. How are you guys doing this fine 9 o'clock hour? You made it halfway through. I can be a lot worse. I'll be honest. I got to go to class in a little bit, but otherwise I'm doing good. Tell okay. us about your shoe. Have you talked about that yet? Yeah, I, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. Update on my shoe. <laughs> I just ripped off the sole. So <laughs> I David, couldn't get anything in time to Davis fix it. Davis is going soulless today, <laughs> as is tradition. I have one sole and one without sole. Grace says I'm going to slip around. I guess we'll find that out. 15 bucks is the best I can do. We, we have a very slippery campus here. There's a lot of brick on the ground. Don't, don't try soul, to do Foley. The soul, <laughs> He's doing shoe noises over there. <laughs> the sole was so thin, it, I feel like... It's just the outer sole. There's a whole other part of the sole that you're missing. This is a nomenclature problem. Welcome back to Cobbler Chat. <laughs> Stop using the word nomenclature on me. Everybody keep, especially Jack. All right, so we are going to get to a new word we've all learned here in just a second, but right after your half-hourly weather report, it is currently 77 as it continues to tick up higher and higher. Add throughout the morning as we approach the high of 90 we are expecting today. It is partly cloudy, 15% chance of rain, which was about the same as yesterday. And if you remember yesterday, go ahead and pack that raincoat if you haven't already. We are also 
currently tracking Tropical Depression 14E off the west coast of Mexico. I love that. It's almost like a monster. (laughs) It's an SCP. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have any trips to Cabo planned, maybe reconsider. Uh, All right, Davis, I'll let you take away the word train. All right. So I used the word chintzy earlier. Uh, in reference to my thin soul, I just used it during a commercial break, and Jack is going to guess how to spell it. Do you want the definition? Or do you want to guess that as well? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, do you I'll want do definition? Grayson can do spelling. Okay. Yeah, I'm terrible. At Who wants to go first? Grayson, I want- knows, Grayson knows crosswords. Okay, I think the definition is like maybe like cheap or flimsy, like a trinket. Okay. It is gaudy or cheap. That is from the Merriam-Webster website. Okay. So, you're correct. Those are just synonyms. Well, that's what it means. Okay. Cheap. Okay. <laughs> so is chintzy. Chintzy is a synonym with those. Yes. All okay. Right. Fair enough. All right. All right. All right. One take. C-H-I-N-T-S-Y. No. Dang it. That was close, though. Do you want the etymology? Anybody want the etymology before we... No, I want you to spell it for me. C-H-I-N-T-Z-Y. Z? Yep. Z. Z's the worst letter. It is we from... Should Z. No. Oh, we got it. You got it wrong. Why does it cut it off is, so fast? Can't win them all. <laughs> Chintzy is an English word from England. Not like, obviously it's English. We're saying it right now. It's, <laughs> it, is, it originates from a printed cotton fabric from India called chintz. Oh. That, that had like patterns a, on it. A, a stolen word. I'm yes, surprised that the English are talking down to the Indians. It originates from the word, a uh, Hindi word. Who could have seen that <laughs> For spattering or stain, and chintz had like flower patterns on it. Okay. So I'm not sure how it got the chintzy. I assume because maybe it was like British cheap fabric. Mean. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want your spices or your chintz. They they definitely wanted the spices. That was the whole point. They take them, then they wouldn't put them on any other food. That was the that was the bit. Thank you, Davis. Thank you for the bit. All right, joke explained. So please. if you would like to submit your very own word for word of the day that you would like <laughs> us to learn and spell and define. Go ahead and tweet at us, at CDiscAU. We've already had some great interaction with the show today, including Ashley, who took a stab at our trivia question, which is still up for grabs if you'd like to take a stab at that one. What's and the trivia question? Trivia question is, of course, when was the name of the, the year, what was the year that Alabama last lost to a football team not named the Tigers? I got another trivia question. What? Hang on. No. <laughs> There's more episodes of this show. <laughs> um, and then Henry, who uh, came in hot with his favorite type of weather, as we were discussing weather, and got a great discussion about uh, electrical storms going here. We, we should note that Henry is a, a noted former Weagle civilian. Friend of the show. Friend of us. Greatly missed here. Greatly missed. Who will always be the website boy in my heart. <laughs> You're frantically typing over there, Jack. What you cooking up? Excuse me. Sorry. I was um, I'm still. I was just laughing at Hedgepath again. I'm. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, um, quick shout out to the WEGL's Instagram and Twitter. That is at WEGL underscore AU. Follow us on Twitter for all updates about this show and everything else we have going on. And then Instagram as well. You aren't going to want to miss. Our marketing team is putting together excellent content for you. Starting on Monday, I believe we're going five days a week, daily content. So I'm really excited about it. You should get excited about it. Go check it out. We're starting with a DJ Spotlight next Monday. So go ahead and check that out. We are super excited to get that rolling. 
Our marketing team is working super hard to provide great content for you, and we're excited to see it. All right, guys, we've been teasing it all week, but I think it's time to talk about the milk crate challenge. We got some milk crates right here in the room with us, and I'm going to do it. Uh, this is one of the few things that I actually do believe is a PSYOP. Like, I think the milk crate challenge yeah, made up by the CIA. They dropped it into neighborhoods to make us forget about things. This is one of the few things that TikTok was right about. We, when it, COVID got a little too bad, so they invented the milk crate challenge. When have you ever, seen a, milk, when have you ever seen a milk crate for sale? Never. Well, no. You, milk crates are only stolen. That's the how it I works. Have a, I found a milk crate one time. Yeah, I still have Found? It. Where? In it was a store? At a listen, record, listen, listen. At a record listen. store? No. I was going to... Okay, look. I was working at my former job in Mobile. It was a uniform store. I'm not going to say the name. They don't, <laughs> they don't get any free press. No free press from me. But I opened the door. I was throwing away trash in the back, and there's just a milk crate back there. I was like, I can put my records in this. The records were too big to fit in it, but I have all my laundry stuff in it now. You, you know the companies that deliver stuff in milk crates come around and pick the milk crates back up, right? Like, well, that's the whole point. They're missing a milk crate now. <laughs> it was just sent you, by the dumpster. You, you stole one. You Good. did it. Okay. Well, it costs 90 cents at Winn-Dixie now. Go get a new one. The question is where you get like 20 of them to make the pyramid. You can go to Winn-Dixie stuff now. They're selling them now. For the ch Were they selling them before the challenge? No, they were. Like warehouses, I guess. Like the same place you, I mean, get, you, get, same them place you get pallets. I mean, I guess like Uline or something. Well, we, I, I don't know. We, I don't think we can talk about that on this station. I think pretty much any loading dock in your semi-urban area. That's you, still you, theft. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not saying. It's a milk crate. It costs 90 cents. I'm Who not cares? saying the milk crate challenge. You can, leave, you can leave a dollar on the ground where you took it from and they'll <laughs> be okay. Upstanding members of civilization who aren't opposed to stealing a few milk crates. <laughs> I'm you not can go saying, to, it's not a sanctioned sport. You can go I, to Milk Crates Direct on the internet and get it for five bucks. I, I would like to, I would like to, not a real website, by the way, if the government is listening. Um, while, while we're discussing this, I want to talk about the structure of the way they're normally built. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I they're mean, not built like a brick wall. Why don't you, yeah, if, for those of our listeners who are unfamiliar with what the Milk Crate Challenge is, Maybe you could, maybe in describing the structure, you could explain what it is. Okay, so imagine uh, a, basically a pyramid built out of milk crates. But the problem is, so it's, it's maybe 10 wide and 5 tall roundabout, and you try to walk up and over the pyramid. The problem is, they're milk crates, so they fall over and you, you know, fall on the ground and break your jaw and do all that sort of thing. But they, they don't overlap the milk crates at all. They just build them as like 10 straight up towers. So they topple makes it very easily. That's what makes it impossible. I've seen a lot of people get to the, the top, like the, the apex of it. And then once they're trying to put their foot onto the next one, yeah. they have too much on one side. So it just tips over and then they eat it. They, they always, I've never seen somebody successfully do it. I have. Uh, there's a video that RDC shouted out. RDC Ooh. World. The guy that. Mark Phillips, the guy on YouTube, Mark, <laughs> shouted out about the guy Mark doing it. Uh, he got up the up and over it pretty easy. He's he got a gold medal while he was like making a crepe, I think. Yeah. What? Yeah, he was making a crepe. Um, so he's doing something. Um, I think it's pretty interesting that they're all. They never seem to to pick a great spot to set up the crates. It's always on some someone's like lumpy yard and not a. I've seen one on like a padded thing, so if they fell, they wouldn't get hurt. That's I, only I seen think, one. Yeah. See, that's the start of the psyop. They make it look easy, and then you try to do it in your I lumpy think I yard. I do it. I mean, honestly, I mean, like I know that's the point, but I genuinely think I, I could. do You it. know what? I would love to. We'll, we'll set one up. We'll, I think Auburn, if you're listening, we're not going to set one up in the studio. But Davis, we'll set one up okay, in the studio and see it. what happens. Listen, I think 
We should go to the trampoline park in Auburn. And set one up on the trampolines? And, no, set one up there so if you fall, you fall into the pit so we don't get hurt. <laughs> I think we the can, foam pit. The, the foam pit that I have amazing trouble getting out of. You may just sound like it's stuck just an in open there. pit. So I can't get out of it. Further. Yeah, you just fall forever. We could probably like this would be something that we could get sponsored by the uh, the aquatic center, so that you fall into the pool or onto the concrete pool. It's tank. the newest carnival thing. Instead of throwing into the dunk tank, you if you <laughs> fall off the milk crates, you fall into the water. I wonder what the long-term ramifications... Because it, it won't be long until, like, this is on, like, Good Morning America and it becomes really lame. And then everybody yeah. has an excess of milk so crates. Like, as, like a, as, like, a lame modern-day anthropologist, I like watching trends kind of, like, become lame. Sure. I just want what to... What are the run-on effects of milk crate? Because we talked a little bit about how TikTok is starting to become lame yesterday, how it's the next social media to get, like, yeah. mom- momified and become lame. It's so almost there. I think the milk crate challenge is ne- is next up in line. Once Michael Strahan does it, it's done for. <laughs> I, I think once <laughs> it, it's it's once companies start faking being good at it as an ad. Oh yeah, like, like when when Colin Kaepernick does it in a Nike commercial. <laughs> no, that what where did you get that joke? Twenty sixteen. And then you can look. Oh, good and, take, and they're, they're like zip tied to the ground. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're bolted together from the back, and like you can tell that the shakiness from the not cell phone camera has been added in post. Like once it starts being an ad, that's when it will have become lame. I think there's a chance it goes lame after all the big companies get it, but then if it comes back after the White House goes, "Hey, don't do this. You're gonna get hurt," and then we're all gonna be like, "Heck yeah, we're gonna do it now." And Olivia Rodrigo does it and gets her third shot on the other side. That's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be fun. All right, we're going to keep talking about the milk crate challenge on the other side of this break. And when we get back, I'm sure we will have some more nuance to provide to this very complicated geopolitical issue that we are currently discussing on Compact Discourse. We'll be right back on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, or however you may be listening today, whether that be live or on our podcast, available wherever podcasts are heard, but mostly Spotify, if you ask me. You can listen to that by following the links on our Twitter or just searching for Compact Discourse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To listen to the episodes PSA break free, so streamlines things just a little bit. I'm joined by Grayson Moyer, station manager of WEGL. I am your host, Jack Hart. Davis Carroll had to hit the road. He's on his way to public speaking class. Had enough public speaking already this morning after an hour and 15 minutes of chatting with me semi-publicly. Semi-publicly? D- define semi-publicly, because this we is- are we are in a private room, 
but we on are a public airwave. But we are, yeah, we're yelling into the void that is college radio. Like, let, let's not minimize that here. That, we, I mean, yeah, that's why it, it's semi. We, we have an unknown and unmeasurable listener base. Well, I know at least two people who are listening to the show because they have contacted us on Compact Discourse's Twitter account, which is at cdiscau. That's at c d i s c a u. If you want to get your opinion on the show, go ahead and tweet at me. And if I deem it worthy, which if it's not profane, I'll include yes. it on the show. Uh, and we've gotten some great responses to the show so far. Henry shared with us his favorite type of weather, as we discussed the ongoing weather discussion we're having on Compact Discourse. As it's a beautiful day here at Auburn, a very comfortable and cool 76 outside with a lot of cloud cover. So enjoy that walk to campus if you are on it right now. And then Ashley took a stab at our trivia question, which was, when was the last time that the Alabama Crimson Tide lost to a team in football that was not nicknamed the Tigers? And she guessed 2018. You're going to have to go a little bit further back in time to get this one correct. So if you have an, a guess at that one, go ahead and tweet at me, and I will give you a shout-out on the show if you get it correct. So we are moving into a little bit of continued discussion about the Milk Crate Challenge, which we brought up on the other side of the break you don't know what that is go check out twitter it is a phenomenon wherein a structure henry described it as a ziggurat of milk crates is built that'd be a good word of the day because i don't know what that means a ziggurat's like a tiered pyramid okay so it's it's more less angular or more kind of like the the ones in yeah south south and central america exactly yeah i think they're based off like the the ones in the middle east from the zoroastrianism tradition so a ziggurat of milk crates is built and the, the goal is to, without bracing yourself on anything, walk up and over the apex of the milk crates. So take, taking the world by storm, it's the next planking, it's the next T-bowing. It's the most falling 10 feet onto the ground. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most... It's the new dangerous trend that everybody's on top of. I, I think people vastly underestimate how much it hurts to fall even four or five feet, like... I've fallen like back first about eight feet and I was messed up for about three weeks, like 10 onto your face and hands like you're, you're done. You're, you're going to the hospital. You're seriously injured at that point. Right. So, I mean, you have, you have the interesting trade off of you're either setting it up on a lawn where the, the fall may be a little softer, but the, the ground is a bit more of a wild card yeah. or you're setting it up in like a parking lot where Near near death yeah. is your fate. E- either way, you you are still barreling towards failure, just barreling towards it. Um, during the break, we talked a little <laughs> bit about the, or, or I guess last segment, we talked about the eventual lameness of this possible trend, and I brought up um, commodification of stuff like this. Um, especially we saw it with like bottle flipping. Bottle flipping became a thing, like you could buy a specifically flippable bottle with like a card game that no one used attached to it. Uh, and I think that's the next step for this. It could be. I've also seen the Milk Crate Challenge has uh, transcended international borders and um, where, where milk crates are not are, are different. So I've seen over in the UK, they have the, those... They those, have the big wide ones. The wide, that like yeah, the, that you used to carry like soda cans. Yeah, they're like the Waffle House dish thing. Exactly. So I, I've seen a, a milk crate challenge attempted on that, and the guy didn't even make it up the second step because... Really? It, they were so wobbly. Oh. Because it, in order to get the height required oh, for a second step, like 15, you need about 15 <laughs> to go up about two feet. So That's very funny. Results may vary depending on which country you attempt 
the Milk Crate Challenge in. All right. Do we have any more Milk Crate chat? That's I think, my question. I, I think we, we've burned this one all the way down. This, this candle is extinguished. I'm going to look up. I'm, I'm just going to check the news once to see if it's already gotten lame yet. You know, Jack, we, we discussed... we. You brought up, I think, Good Morning America in the marker of something becoming lame. Mm-hmm. But are we not the first step in that process? I like, mean, we're, we are a media outlet. We, yeah, but I think we think about I, it. I like to think of ourselves as like kind of edgy. We're ahead on the trends. I'll give you that. We're not but, lame. Yeah, we we need to discuss the things that we might think be coming up on TikTok. Which, I mean, obviously, yesterday we discussed the the controversy between uh, Nirvana and the the infant pictured on the Nevermind album cover. And how it was kind of an attention grab, and of course, I, I was a bit self-aware in the discussion. We, we are giving him attention. I mean, he yeah. he won. We're he doing won, it. He won that battle of well, minds. Well, he won long before it hit Weagle. So well. he um. So I, I I'll own that that talking about it does give it a little bit of we're we're contributing to the lameness. I, I can I can see that, but I mean NBC News front page. I I I think I think it's done. I think we're there. Pack it up. Okay. All right, so what's the next dangerous challenge? Right, Let's on. brainstorm this. The, the subheading is one doctor said the injuries participants <laughs> sustained from the milk crate challenge could, quote, have lifelong implications. <laughs> one doctor said avoid falling eight feet onto your spine. <laughs> Who could have guessed? Citation needed. <laughs> All right, so we are going to – I'm going to Try to pivot into a little bit of sports chat if you can keep up with me, Grayson. Okay. This this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. I am going to do a little bit of baseball chat, everyone's favorite American pastime. Exciting. I am going to oh my goodness, ESPN just crashed. I am going to stall for a second what while ESPN reloads. We're going to talk, oh yeah, we could talk Summer a little ball? bit. <laughs> we could talk a little bit about um I had the I had the great pride and pleasure of sharing with Grayson the the um the magical kind of just environmentally grown out spontaneous event that is banana ball. I shared that with him yesterday. Um we watched a little mini documentary together about what the Savannah Bananas are cooking up over uh, in a municipally run sports park over in Savannah, Georgia. This recreational, not affiliated with Major League Baseball at all, just completely independent and all about having fun baseball team over in Savannah, Georgia, plays a very unique brand of baseball called Banana Ball, where it's all about having fun. And I think, Grayson, you like to describe it as... They they made took away all the boring parts. Well, they, they, so baseball is an inherently very silly sport. It's it's very old. It has a lot of weird unwritten rules and just goofy things that happen. Yeah, they took away so much goofiness. They made the sport so efficient and easy to watch that they had to add more goofiness back. I see. So yeah, they they over engineered it to the point where it could become it could quickly become very dry. Right. So they they then had to re reinvent. Um, a brand of silliness. So with I'm, their with their mysterious creator, who I will avoid slandering here. Yes, they do have a very eccentric owner and founder who is uh, known to be wearing a, a, a four piece bright yellow suit. He has a book on that subject. So uh, he is he is um, the the brainchild of this summer league baseball team. As far as I can tell, Savannah Bananas have two opponents. One is the Macon Bacon. Yep. And the other is themselves. 
So they, they seem to play a lot of, against themselves in just their purple uniforms rather than their yellow uniforms. So I would like to see other teams get integrated into this Savannah Bananas type of situation. Obviously, I'm not going to try to fumble through all of the rules of banana ball. I encourage you to go and seek those out on your own because there, there's a lot to comprehend. And I, I think a, a baseline establishment of the rules of baseball are needed to kind of get what they have going on because every everything's created with a purpose. And I, I think it is super interesting that the owner of the Savannah Bananas sat down with a bunch of college kids who played baseball and just had a, had a, had a Blue Skies, Greenfield meeting about what do you like about baseball? What do you hate about baseball? I am not tied to any organization, so we can play however we want. And I think it's super fun. And it's, it, 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 it can't, um, the reaction of it speaks for how successful it's, it is for both the kids playing and the fans of the team. It, it feels also somewhat unique to baseball. Like, I, I don't know how you could give this same treatment to say something like football. Like football feels a little bit too organized and large scale mm -hmm. compared to baseball where you've got, you know, there is no standard for a field. You can sort of throw it together or, or even something like, I, I guess the closest thing that you might be able to do it to is basketball, but even then you can't modify the rules all that much. Like it's already a pretty efficient, well-running game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's not a lot of, a lot of baseball is standing around. Yeah. And so no other sport has that unique opportunity. A lot of baseball is sitting on a bench for half of the game. And so baseball is, is just this... It's, it's a lot like... Um, I know Ken Burns loves this analogy, but it's a lot like jazz music in that it's uniquely American. A lot of it's improvised, and there's no wrong way to do it. And so the Savannah <laughs> Bananas have really t taken that and run with it, yeah. and they are um, having a lot of fun with it. I think... One of the most uh, fun aspects of it is that you can't take a walk, I believe. If yeah, a, no walks. If a, fourth, if a fourth ball gets thrown to you, you immediately have to book it around the bases. <laughs> and if you make it home before the ball gets thrown to every defensive player, you get a run. Great. Great. Like... Like like I said, they just took a they took a slow game and made it fast, and then had to add silliness with the crowd to mm -hmm. slow it back down again. But that that made such a we we haven't we've touched mainly on the game and how we think it's better as a game, but we haven't talked about the fan experience. I think as much, and I think that's what really sets it apart, and that's what's garnered it as much support as it has, because they really do endear themselves to the fans more than I think normal baseball can. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of college sports and that yeah. there's a big buy-in from the coach. And in, in, in this, I mean, I see it a lot in Auburn, how Bruce Pearl and Brian Harson they, they, they talk directly to the students. They want feedback. They want to know how they ca what they can do to make things better. They're not worried about the paycheck as much as, say, someone who's, whose life depends on this. So I think extending that to summer baseball is a great opportunity. So, sort of, for, forgive me for being very unfamiliar with how baseball works at the collegiate level. Like, I'm, I, I work on broadcast, but I don't actually know anything about the sport. Is summer ball common outside of this thing, or is this sort of unique to this? Uh, summer ball, there, there's a lot of, in order to get better at baseball, there, you have to keep playing. Right. And so there's a lot of opportunities um, that are outside of 
uh, minor league baseball. I mean, there's a lot of rookie leagues. You can go to down to Mexico, Arizona, or Florida where they play ball basically all year round and just get some reps, hope, mm-hmm. hope an MLB scout uh, comes and checks you out. And so I think the Bananas kind of started as a summer ball club and decided, eh, this is a little boring. Let's have some fun with it. All right. So we are going to head to a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to wrap up our discussion about the Savannah Bananas. We're going to talk some MLB. And we have a correct answer to our trivia question coming in hot on Twitter. So stay tuned for that shout out and correct answer. We'll be right back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside station manager Grayson Moyer, coming at you live from the WEGL Bradley Basin studio. It is 9.33 a.m. on a beautiful Thursday morning. It is August 26, 2021. Currently, it is 78 degrees. That con- temperature continues to climb as we approach our high of 90 today, low of 71 chance of rain this afternoon, so bring that umbrella and an overnight temp of 73. So go enjoy the weather, sit on your porch, and listen to some WEGL 91.1 FM. I want to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. That's WEGL underscore AU. And you can follow this show on Twitter at CDiscAU. That's going to be the best way you can contact us about trivia questions, submissions for show topics, or just updates on where you can find the podcast or any other updates we may have for you. And speaking of that, our trivia question that we posited in the first hour has been correctly answered. So congratulations to Harrison Tarr, who was listening into the show. Thank you for answering the trivia question correctly. The answer to our trivia question, which was, when was the last time the Alabama Crimson Tide lost to a team in football that was not nicknamed the Tigers? That was Ole Miss in 2015, over almost six years ago at this point, uh, when Ole Miss took down the Crimson Tide in the 2015 season. It seems like forever ago. But since then, Alabama has only lost to three teams, and that has been Auburn, Clemson, and LSU. So Auburn twice, I believe Clemson three times, and I want to say LSU once as well. So Alabama on an absolute tear since 2015 only losing to Tigers since that loss to the Rebels in 2015. So congratulations to, once again, Harrison Tarr for getting that correct. I believe he's a contributor over at Eagle Eye TV. All right, so we finished our discussion about the Savannah Bananas, the summer ball team who got off to a great start this season. I believe this was their first kind of real season Make, making things happen. They were super active on TikTok over the summer. TikTok was super big, so they capitalized on top of that. I believe at one point, and maybe still, they had more TikTok followers than any major league team, <laughs> just because, you know, it's more entertaining. Yeah. They, they can do more. No rules. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch normal sports highlights on TikTok. That's not something I need. Right. You want to see a man ride a horse onto a field and then do an ASMR interview in exactly. a bathroom stall. Exactly. And that's the kind of content you get from the bananas. All right, so let's move into some real boring baseball. (laughs) 
as we talk about the Major League Baseball. All right, I'm going to quickly go through your scores from last night. We'll talk about the pennant races, and then we can do headlines, as is tradition here on Compact Discourse. Baseball segment, one of my favorites because I get to say things. <laughs> All right, yesterday in MLB action, it was the Houston Astros taking down the Kansas City Royals 6-5 to in extras. Colorado and Chicago played a doubleheader after yesterday's game was postponed. Chicago took the first game 5-2 in seven innings, and Colorado stormed back to take the second game in 10 innings, 13-10. Baltimore finally snaps their 19-game losing streak by taking down the Angels 10-6, so congratulations to Baltimore for finally winning a game. Arizona in their battle with Pittsburgh for the basement of the National League, takes down Pittsburgh 5-2. Tampa Bay continues to pummel the Phillies 7-4. Toronto gets one back on Chicago 3-1. Minnesota wins in extras in Fenway 9-6. The San Francisco Giants continue to take down the Mets 3-2. That baseball team from Cleveland beats the Texas Rangers 7-2. They have an official name. You can call them the Guardians. <laughs> The CBT, if you will. Um, Miami takes care of Washington 4-3. to three. That one was an extra innings. Milwaukee continues to build their lead in the NL Central 4-1 over the Reds. And then in the game of the day, the Dodgers had a little scare from the Padres, but they come out on top in 16 innings. That was the Dodgers over the Padres 5-3. to three. <coughs> 16. Jeez. That is almost two baseball games That's in too one. Many. And currently, the, the MLB has rules in place to prevent games from going too long into extra innings. But Dodgers and the Padres didn't care. They enjoyed their rivalry too much, and they wanted to play 16 innings, obviously. I, I don't want to interrupt you too much and derail this, but have we... Has anyone else espoused the opinion on this show yet that seven innings is the correct amount, and that's something that softball really got right compared to baseball? Um... That hasn't been brought up on the show, but I think we should we should entertain that it, thought. It's a correct opinion, all right? I, <coughs> I know it's an opinion. I can't just say it's right, but I don't know. I've, I've worked quite a few baseball and softball games, and I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the seven-inning format. So done after seven? Yeah. You think the game's pretty much decided after seven innings? I, I don't know if it's decided. I just think it's better. I, those last two innings always feel about two hours longer than the first seven. And I think keeping it efficient, keeping it at seven, saves a lot of trouble. Do you think you would run into a prisoner's dilemma situation where the, the sixth and seventh inning would now become the long innings, and then in, in, in 100 years you'd have someone on a radio show saying it needs to be five innings? You know, I, I think if we can get down to one-inning speed baseball, that might be... You know what? Actually, revised that's, opinion. One-inning speed baseball needs to be a thing. That'd be awesome. And that's exactly you have what one the, inning uh, to make it happen. Savannah Bananas have been doing over in Banana Ball. <laughs> so I, I think we've reached the, the natural conclusion of things. Yes. Um, taking a look at your pennant chases over in the American League, things haven't changed much as the Rays won, Yankees didn't do anything, and the Red Sox lost. So Rays still on top of the AL East, Yankees four and a half behind them, Red Sox behind, three games behind the Yanks. AL Central, White Sox continue to have that one locked down as the Indians sit at a 500 record, and the uh, White Sox sit at 73 and 55. The Astros still on top of the AL West. They are 75 and 52. The Athletics are five games behind them, and the Mariners just one game behind the A's. 
So the Mariners looking to crawl into a playoff spot for the first time in a long time. <coughs> Grayson, have you been watching the, uh, the, the, the John Boyce documentary about the Mariners? Occasionally. Um, I, I know we haven't talked about this, <laughs> but I don't actually follow MLB at all, so I have been watching my fair share of that, but... They're the only one that I actually know about well, <laughs> at this point. Then everyone has a, can have a team to root for. And if you're not a baseball fan, I encourage everyone to uh, root for those Mariners because they are a plucky, lovable team that is just <laughs> trying to get back to the playoffs after so many years. <laughs> so many sad years. In the NL East, the Braves uh, still sit on top of that division after the Phillies lost last night. Phillies sitting at 500, five games back on the Braves. The Brewers continue to lock down that NL Central. They have a 10-game lead on the Reds. And the Giants, with a win in uh, City Field last night, improved to an 82-44 and record. That's two and a half games better than the Dodgers and now 15 games better than the Padres. So let's talk about that 16-inning game in San Diego last night where the Dodgers took care of the Padres. Five to three. Pollock with the uh, winning run in that one. Pollock's homer sends the Dodgers to a 5-3 win over Padres in 16 innings. That game took five hours, 49 minutes to play, (laughs) featuring 489 pitches by 19 pitchers who stranded a combined 35 base runners. That coming from the AP, that stat line. Like, I I don't know. I feel like 16... once you get to a four-hour baseball game, you're starting to see diminishing returns. It doesn't matter what the points are. Mm. You know, it's I, like whose line is it anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> yeah, exactly. made up and the points don't matter. Baseball is all about improv. Um, like, I, I think more sports should include ties, honestly. <laughs> like, I know that's beside the point, but, like, after four hours, like, how many fans were in the stands at the end of 16 innings, really? I think uh, Japanese baseball uh, employs the tie rule after a few extra innings. They just call it, unless it's a obviously a, a critical playoff game, sure. where, where I think playing for a winner is pretty important. But uh, in this game, I, I can just imagine the emotions that were going through uh, Petco Park, where in the 15th inning, the Dodgers took a two-run lead to make it 3-1 to one after probably uh, four hours of play. <laughs> And then in the bottom of the 15th inning, the Padres proceeded to tie it up once again, 3-3, three to three, only for in the, f- the 16th inning, the Dodgers to eventually break through and make this a 5-3 to three victory for the Dodgers. Pretty impressive that the Dodgers were, uh, by, the, by the Padres rather, that they were able to hold the Dodgers to one run for so long, considering they ended up the game with 10 hits. Um <coughs> Excuse me. It was also very impressive the fact that um, with the measures the MLB has in place to speed up extra inning games, um, including the the runner starting on second in extra innings, that this game was able to go to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven extra innings. So Basically, a whole nother baseball game. Yeah, I think I think you do a, another seventh inning stretch after the sixteenth inning, if I, if memory serves. So, um, the fact that with both of these high-powered offenses, I mean, maybe you could argue that the Padres are on a little bit of a slide, but especially the Dodgers, who are making uh, their case for their division title, 
that they were able to get goose egged in four, five, five of these seven extra frames already starting with a runner on second. So credit to both of these pitching staffs, which once again, 489 pitches were thrown by 19 pitchers in this game. So, I mean, pu- pushing pushing mankind to its very limits in San Diego last night were P- the Padres and Dodgers. Pushing the concept of a shoulder beyond anywhere where it should have gone. Yeah, Tommy John rolling in his grave. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to close out the show with a little bit of wildcard discussion. I may be telling you about some campus events going on this week. We're going to be talking a little bit of our Twitter, and we're going to get you excited about video broadcasts starting next week right here on Compact Discourse. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, or however you may be listening today. Thank you for joining us. If you've been listening for the whole two hours, that's great. If you've been listening just for five minutes, that's cool too. But I want to encourage you to go over and check out our podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are heard on Transistor.fm. Or you can just go to Spotify and search for Compact Discourse. We are on there. You can listen to the whole show, PSA Break Free gets uploaded at about noon every day after the show so be sure to check that out if you missed any part of the show we've had a pretty fun discussion davis carroll was in we talked a little bit about his shoes we learned a new word we talked about cheeseburgers we talked about the weather Uh, we talked a little bit about baseball just in the last segment we talked about the savannah bananas there's been a lot going on it's been a pretty exciting thursday show we even talked a lot about sec football so if you want a little preseason if you want me and davis's take on how the teams are going to stack up in the sec this season be sure to check that out of course i'm your host jack hart joined alongside grayson moyer the station manager here at wegl Speaking of WEGL, you're going to want to follow him on Twitter at WEGL underscore AU for all the station updates. Also follow him on Instagram, same handle, at WEGL underscore AU. Starting on Monday, we have daily content coming out for you, starting with the DJ Spotlight. So that's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to it. Our marketing team works tirelessly to bring you some pretty great content, and I think it's pretty great as well. So moving right along into what to get excited about this upcoming weekend, UPC and Tiger Knights are putting together some laser tag action. That is going to be on the green space tomorrow, the 27th. It's going to be from 7 to 10 p.m. You are going to want to check out laser tag. 7 to 10 p.m., Campus Green, get some friends together or come solo, dominate the competition that is put on, of course, by student involvement, Tiger Knights, UPC, the whole crew is getting together for laser tag, August 27th, 7 to 10 p.m., Campus Green. You aren't going to want to miss it especially if you were at Paradise on the Plains yesterday. UPC is putting together some great events, so go ahead and check that one out as well. I'm sure there's going to be free stuff, free food. The works, as always, is with UPC. And if you're looking for something a little bit more low-key, Weagle is actually helping out The Circle with a poetry reading tonight at 7 p.m. at Well Read, the coffee shop. Um, we will be there. Or I guess it's not a poetry reading. It's an open mic night. But if you're looking for something to sort of chill out, drink some coffee, watch some people perform, that's a great place to be. All right, and do we have a stages this week? Yes, we have a stages on Thursday. I believe it's Which transistor. Is today? Yes, it is today. Okay, um, that starts I think uh, six p.m. on the green. 
something like that. On the campus screen? Yes. Awesome. So, so uh, They'll be able to see us out there. They'll set up. You'll hear them. Yeah, if you don't know, Auburn Stages is a pretty awesome concert series that uh, from local and far-out artists that um, our, our live events coordinator, Dylan, kind of wrangles with his connections in the music world. He brings some awesome content, some free concerts just for, for, for Auburn students to come check out on some pretty cool custom-built stages. So be sure to check those out. Um, uh, you can go on Weagle's Instagram if you want to see the full schedule of Auburn Stages shows. You don't want to miss them. They're super fun. They're awesome. And Dylan worked super hard to get those ready for Auburn students. We um, also have uh, one thing special that's not an event, but it's related. Um, coming out on Monday, as of right now, we have a Weagle session. So a live band recorded in our studio and produced by the staff here at Weagle. Uh, we have Hotel Fiction coming out on Monday. So keep an eye on our YouTube channel for that. Just look up Weagle 91.1 on YouTube, and it'll be there. Yeah, if you like NPR's Tiny Desk Concert, it's kind of our spin on that same situation. If you've ever been in the Weagle studio, we have a little room called the Bullpen. If you haven't been, it's that, it's just that. It's a little room. And we crowd a whole band, all their instruments, all their equipment, lights, wires, cables, everything, into this little closet, basically. And we put together an awesome concert that Grayson... And Luke and Dylan all help get together and mix. And it sounds pretty cool as a finished project. So uh, continuing with a little bit of announcements. Away game football tickets are available today. 2021 student ticket information. You are going to want to go ahead and add your Tiger card to your Apple wallet or Google wallet. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Over Google at Android? Pay, same thing. Android land. All right, so you're going to want to do that and head over to the arena by the Chuck statue, the scholarship entrance, if you will, under that big Final Four banner. If you are have paid for, purchased, signed up for, however you want to put it, some away game tickets. So if you're heading up to Penn State, if you're going down to LSU, even if you're coming over to Arkansas with me, you're going to want to go pick up your away game tickets. You can do so by adding your Tiger card, get that Get app, and then add your Tiger card to it, obviously, and then put it in your whatever your phone's wallet is, whether that be iPhone, Android, or, I mean, BlackBerry at this point? No. Okay. So go ahead and add it to your wallet. That's the only way you're going to get it is if it's in your wallet, not just in the Git app. They're pretty explicit about that. So keep the line moving and uh, be prepared if you're going to go get your away game student ticket. I believe that started at 9 a.m. this morning. It's going to 4 p.m. today, and I think it's going to be open every day. I think those are just the hours of the ticket office, but today is the first day you can go pick up your away game tickets big big reminder here if you're going with friends to the game go with the same friends to pick up your tickets because they get assigned in order so if you want to sit i want to sit with hillman at lsu i'm going with hillman to pick up my tickets today because i don't want to get stuck in lsu not sitting next to my friends because it's a scary place yep do you have i mean any experience as an as an away fan so luckily i mean i i, I don't want to be mean too mean to lsu here um, when I was in the band, uh, it was a home game for us. And that was still sort of rough. LSU is not known for being nice to away fans, and the band gets even more of the brunt of that. But, yeah, I'd avoid it. If, if you're going to go, stick with people you're, you're, you know. Good call. All right, um, so that's about it for announcements. Other than that, um, I do want to remind everybody that this is a big if. Uh, if I can get it working... We are going to have video broadcasts starting next Monday. Of course, Compact Discourse is your daily morning talk show. So we're going to get that as a video show as well. You're going to be able to watch it on Eagle Eye TV after the fact. But you're also going to be able to watch it live on Twitter, Periscope, 
and our YouTube page, the same place you watch the Weagle sessions. So get excited for that. If you ever watch the extra point, I'm looking to get the same setup going. So longtime fans should be looking forward to that one. You'll be able to see our beautiful faces, this awesome studio, and whatever weird thrift store t-shirt Davis decides to wear to the studio on any given day. And of course, my office in the background when I'm not on the show. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to that. Um, We're also really looking forward to partnering with Eagle Eye to get that on TV as well. So our great friends over at Eagle Eye are going to help us make that happen. Um, We are continuing to work with them to get this project underway. We're super excited about it. Um, And I think that's going to just about do it for the show today and for the show this week. I want to thank everybody who tuned in to this inaugural week of Compact Discourse. I know there were a few hiccups, so thank you for being patient. Thank you for playing along. And thank you to everyone who engaged with us on Twitter. It made the show a whole heck of a lot better. So I want to extend my deepest gratitude to those of you who reached out and helped me with the show this week. And I want to extend my sincere thanks to Jacob Hillman, J.P. Williams, Alex Houston, Davis Carroll, and Grayson Moyer for being my guests this week. It made the show a whole heck of a lot better. You heard that one segment I did by myself. You don't want to listen to that for two hours. All right. And uh, Grayson, any, any parting shots you have for the fans of the show? I'm not sure. I just want to say thank you for listening. We've been excited to get something like this back on Weagle for a long time. So we're excited to have it and we're excited to have people listen. Thank you so much, Grayson. I appreciate your leadership during these troubling times at WEGL as we navigate this scary world we live in. (laughs) I will leave you with that, and I want to wish you a great rest of your week and weekend. We'll be back on Monday morning. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, WEGLFM.com, or listening to our podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as podcasts commercial-free wherever podcasts are heard. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDISCAU, at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, for links to the podcast, information about the show, and important updates. You can also tweet at us to get your voice on the show and join the conversation on Auburn's only student-run morning show. You might want to go ahead and follow WEGL on Twitter and Instagram. That's at WEGL underscore A-U, WEGL underscore A-U. Our dedicated team of marketing professionals work tirelessly to provide high-quality content to fans of the station. And with that, for Jack Hart, Alex Houston, J.P. Williams, Davis Carroll, Grayson Moyer, and Jacob Hillman, this has been another great week of Compact Discourse. We wish you a great weekend, and we will talk at you Monday at 8 a.m. But I'm trying to see a colorful bird.